We've been on a series looking at vital signs, um, a pathway to a deep beneath the surface transformation. And what we have been doing over the past few weeks is we're looking at seven different uh, themes, practices that lead us to a deep beneath the surface transformation in Christ. Uh, I focused the first two weeks on the role that scripture plays in our transformation. For the last, uh, last week and this week, we're going to be focusing on the role that Sabbath keeping plays uh, in our transformation. And the reason we wanted to uh, spend two weeks on Sabbath keeping, really, number one, is to deepen uh, the, the, the practice of Sabbath keeping as, as individuals as well as as a church family. And second, to really to address some of the uh, practical questions and frequently asked questions of our church. Uh, last week after uh, my message on Sabbath keeping, there were so many questions after each service. Can I do this? Can I not do this? What about this? What about this? And so uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give a little a message here, and then I'm going to invite Pete up to interview him uh, as Pete has been wrestling with this over about 20 years or so. What does it mean to uh, respond to some of the questions that we're holding as it pertains to Sabbath keeping? And the goal is for us to enter into the rest of God, the deep rest of God that God has for us. And so Deuteronomy chapter 5, uh, beginning in verse uh, number uh, 12, I believe it's there. Uh, so hear the word of the Lord. It says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, your male or female servant, your ox, your donkey, your goldfish, your dog. No one doing work on that day or any other animals or any foreigner residing in your town so that your male and female servants, think of it as your employees, may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Let's pray together. Lord, as St. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And Lord, I pray that as I preach today, as we explore some of the themes of Sabbath, that you would speak to us, that you would grant us deep abiding rest at the deepest part of our beings. And Lord, may we uh, worship you, may we serve you in all that we do. We offer this time to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. I recently read a book uh, written by uh, an emergency room medical doctor, a guy by the name of Dr. Matthew Sleeth. And he wrote a book called 24-6, A Prescription for a Healthier, Happier Life. And he writes from the perspective of an emergency room doctor, and so he has great perspective as, as it pertains to sickness and why people are sick, why people end up in the emergency room. And one of the primary reasons why people end up in the emergency room, according to this doctor, is because of the pace of life that we live. He actually goes to quote a, an important statistic that really gives eye-opening insight as to the kind of culture that we have, especially in New York City. And this is what he says. He says, in the 1990s, there was a study for the British Council. Uh, Dr. Richard Wiseman recorded how fast people walked in cities as the gauge of those cities' pace of life. And not surprisingly, faster-paced cities had higher incidences of coronary artery disease. He said, a recent redo of Wiseman's study found that the speed of walking has increased 10% in cities around the globe. Therefore, and, and the, the correlation is this, there are even more higher instances of coronary artery diseases. When I read that statistic, I, read, I think that there are two options before us as we think about this data before us. And the two options are this. Either we will choose to stop by keeping Sabbath or we will be forced to stop. 
Because our souls and our bodies cannot uh, sustain the kind of pace that we live. Either we will choose to stop or we will be forced to stop. And, and so to bring us to a place of a flourishing life, we are invited to keep the Sabbath. And the Sabbath is a way of us saying yes to God and saying no to overwork, no to being slaves to our work. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, really, this, that's the spirit of why, why Moses wrote Deuteronomy chapter 5, because he wanted the people of God to be reminded that we are not to be slaves to our work. Deuteronomy is, uh, it comes from two words. Deutero means second. Nomos means law. It is the second giving of the law. And Moses writes it for the second time because in Exodus 20, he writes it for one generation. Deuteronomy 5 is written much, much later, and this new generation is entering into the promised land. And so Moses knows many of these people have never really heard the law, or oh, they need to hear it again. So he gives the law the second time. And the second time around, he gives the law talking about the Sabbath. But this time in Deuteronomy 5, the reason why he tells us to remember the Sabbath is for a different reason than it was in Exodus chapter 20. In Exodus chapter 20, when he writes, and remember, the, the Ten Commandments are not a means to achieving salvation. It is a result of us already having been rescued by Jesus. And so you don't keep the Ten Commandments to get saved. You've always been rescued. The Ten Commandments is a description, an expression of what a saved, redeemed, rescued life looks like. And so in Exodus 20, Moses gives the law. And the ground of the Ten Commandments, why you are to keep the Sabbath in Exodus 20 is very simple. Moses basically says, you are to rest because this is what God did. And he goes back to the creation story. And he says, the reason we rest is because we're made in the image of God. And we are to be like God. And because God rested, God set an example for us. We are to rest because this is what God did. But in Deuteronomy chapter 5, there is a different uh, reason why we are to keep the Sabbath. A new generation is entering to the land, and Moses gives a new uh, rationale as to why we are to keep the Sabbath. Because, and, and, and this is significant because he's reminding them that you were once slaves in Egypt. He says, remember, you were slaves for 400 years. There was no uh, Sabbath rest. Pharaoh was on our backs. All of life was about work. Our value was seen in our production. So Moses says, in light of all this, the Sabbath is a picture of how redeemed people are supposed to live. And so in essence is this. Exodus 20, you are to rest because this is what God did. Deuteronomy 5, you are to rest because this is what free people do. This is what free people do. If we work nonstop, whether, whether we enjoy our work or hate our work, but we work nonstop. It is not an indication of our freedom. It is an indication of our slavery. And if we cannot stop, this is what it's pointing to. And so Moses basically says we are to stop to let the principalities and powers around us know that we are not slaves to our work. We are servants of God. You are to rest because this is what free people do. Now, the people of God were accustomed to having Pharaoh on their backs. And Pharaoh's scare tactic was, if you stop working, you are going to die. Now, we may physically be free from Pharaoh. Some of you might think your boss is like Pharaoh. But uh, although we might be externally free from Pharaoh, all of us have an inner Pharaoh inside of us. that basically says, 
if you stop working, you are going to die. Something is going, your career is going to die. Something is, you're not going to be able to catch up and, and measure up to the rest of the world. You are going to die. But God says, no. God turns around and says, if, it's not if you stop working, you're going to die. He says, if you don't rest, you are going to die. I remember when I was interviewing to come on staff at New Life about eight years ago, and I met with Pete and Jerry at Nevada Diner, which was uh, once called Pop Diner. I think it was another name by that time there. And, and they sat across from Rosie and I as we're eating uh, a meal before them, and we're talking about my experiences, talking about theology and what have you. And then Pete uh, basically says, hey, Rich, do you know there, there's, there's really one reason that you'll get fired from New Life as a pastor? And so at that point, I sat up a little straighter. I just thought, let me make sure I don't miss this moment here. And, and he said, the only reason you'll get fired is if you don't take time to rest. And I thought, that doesn't make any sense at all. Usually, if you don't take the time to work, you're going to get fired. But he said, no, no, if you don't take time to rest. And really the rationale was this. If you don't have a rhythm of resting, your, your, your soul will not be able to sustain the work that you are doing for God in your role. And so we are invited to, to rest. And the Sabbath day, as Matthew Sleeth has said, is a day to transition from being human doings to human beings. Most of our life is constituted by doing. The Sabbath says you are more than what you do. You are to be, be with God, uh, be who God has created you to be. And so to live this out, there are four principles that we come back to at New Life, four principles. And if you've missed last week's uh, sermon, I want you to go online, check it out as well, because I'm not going to be talking about everything I mentioned last week. But there are four uh, principles of the Sabbath that we are to remember. Really, this anchors us as a church community. This anchors us as individuals. And then I'm going to have Pete come up to talk about some of the more frequently asked questions. Four words that really describe what does it mean for us to practice Sabbath. The first word is the word stop. Stop. Sabbath, uh, the word Sabbath, uh, it really, the word is Shabbat. It means literally to stop, to cease, to take a break. If you've heard of stop, drop, and roll, that's really important. Don't ever forget that. But don't, st- don't forget stop, cease, take a break. And the stopping that we're doing is we're stopping literally, this is not like metaphorically, we are stopping from our work, our paid work and our unpaid work. And so uh, whether it's reading and answering work emails, stop. Whether it's balancing your checkbook, stop. Whether it's cooking for some of us, stop. Shopping for groceries, stop. Laundry, stop. Not unless that gives you kind of joy and uh, stop. All the things that constitute regular work, whether it's our paid work or whether it's our unpaid work, we are invited to stop. We are invited when Sabbath comes to take our hands off of our work. If you watch the Food Network, Iron Chef and all that there, you have a couple of, an hour to, to fix a meal. And once that clock says zero, you better not put another piece of garnish on that plate. Hands in the air. And this is Sabbath. It's an opportunity for us to stop our work. 
I've used this image before, and, and I find it to be one of the more important images about stopping uh, taken from B&H, or just an electronic store on 34th Street. They are second to Amazon in electronic sales, okay, second to Amazon. And one of the things that is distinctive about them, they're run by the uh, Jewish community there, and, and they, every Sabbath they stop. They stop their work. On Friday nights, they stop their work. And uh, one person noticed that they were stopping even on, on, on Black Friday, the biggest shopping day of the year. And not only do they stop their store, close their store, they also stop any online ordering that you can do as well. So you cannot do any online ordering at all. Second to Amazon in electronic sales. And so one person asked, was perplexed, how can you stop on the busiest day of the week, all the money that's going to be coming into you? And the communications director basically said, the reason why we stop, even on Black Friday, is because we respond to a higher authority. We respond to a higher authority. See you on Monday. I'm sure you'll be back to buy our cameras and stuff. And so, <laughs> and so we also respond to a higher authority, or an authority that's higher than our work, an authority that's higher than our position, an authority that's higher than our identity in what we do. We respond to God. We respond to a higher authority, and we are to stop. That's the first word. The second word is uh, rest. And so we're not just stopping and like frozen in time, not doing anything there. We stop so that we can rest. And the Hebrew word where it says God rested is the word for exhale. <sighs> When's the last time you just, <sighs> for some of you it was last Sunday when I said, all right, do this. <sighs> Every Sunday. But, but it's an opportunity for us to exhale, a massive, big exhale from my work. And when, and, and when we exhale, it's, it's, it's a sense of saying God is totally in control of the universe. God is running everything perfectly, therefore I can rest. When we rest, we are stewarding our souls, we're stewarding our bodies, we're stewarding what God has given us. And so we are to rest from busyness, we are to rest from multitasking, we are to rest from rushing, we are giving ourselves space to breathe. And so on the Sabbath, we stop our work. We rest from all the things that constitute work. But not only do we rest, the third word, which is critically important, and might be the most important word uh, for a performance-oriented culture, is the word delight. Delight. If there is no joy on the Sabbath, start again because we've missed it. The, the Sabbath is about feasting. The Sabbath is not just, we're not just praying in a corner all day. It's, it's really us delighting in the creation that God has given us, delighting in the gifts of God. It is a day of feasting, a day of joy, a day of fun, a day of play, a day of laughter. Yesterday, Rosie and I, and we took the kids to, uh, uh, to a restaurant in Forest Hills, and, and it was the Sabbath. I ordered the meal, and then I realized, wait a second, it's the Sabbath. I'll have another order of mozzarella sticks. Yes, I will, because it is the Sabbath. Probably not the healthiest meal on the Sabbath, but let me get some of that sauce too, extra sauce as well. It is the Sabbath. The Sabbath day is a day of feasting, a day of play, a day of joy. And so for a 24-hour period, could you imagine you are giving yourself permission to play? And adults, as I've said it many times, tend to be the most delight-deficient people in the world. The older we get, the more delight-deficient we become. And children know how to have joy. Children know how to play. Children know how to have fun. 
And, and we, in essence, we're reclaiming who God created us to be when we delight. And so we stop, we rest, we delight, and then we contemplate. We contemplate. And by contemplation, I just don't mean that we're just uh, standing in a room in, in, in silence and solitude. Obviously, that's a part of contemplation. But a broader perspective of contemplation is contemplation is the act of searching for the invisible, that is God, indivisible. That is, we're searching for God in our religion. God, how am I experiencing God in the physicality of life through people? through food, through joy. How am I encountering God? And so the Sabbath becomes an opportunity that our spiritual eyes are a little bit more attentive. God, how are you speaking to me? How am I, how are you coming to me through the gifts of life and people and food and what we hear and what we see? We are slowing down to see the gifts of God. And so ultimately we stop, we rest, we delight, we contemplate. And these four things are to lead us really essentially to a life of trust in God. Trust in God. And the reason why many of us have a hard time keeping the Sabbath is because we don't trust God. We don't trust that if I rest, that God will take care of me. If I rest, will God take care of everything around me? Of all the things that I have to do, will God take care of me? And and as I mentioned last week, the degree to which we uh, trust is the degree to which we will rest. If you don't trust your boyfriend when he's out, you're not going to rest at all. If you don't trust the person you're driving with, chances are you're not going to sleep while they're on the highway. You're going to be all up. The degree to which we trust is the degree to which we rest. And Sabbath is an invitation to trust. And so what I want to do is I want to explore some of the more frequently asked questions. And whenever I'm wrestling with Sabbath, uh, the first thing I do is I, I go to God and then I go to Pete Scazzaro. Sometimes in that order, sometimes not in that order. And so uh, I want to invite Pete to come up because last week there were so many questions. Rich, can I do this? Can I not do this? How, what if I don't do this? Is God angry? And so I, I want to do as best as we can to address some of the more frequently asked questions about Sabbath. So that you can leave this place here with a clarity, a perspective to say yes to this invitation that God has for us today. And so uh, I know Pete's been here for 27 years, so but give Pete a hand here as he comes and There are 14 questions. If Pete answers all 14 questions by the time we have to go. He gets a copy of the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality book, right? <laughs> and uh, I'll sign it, Pete, um, as well. And so there, there's so many questions about Sabbath. Oh, so much confusion. We want to eliminate the confusion so that we can say yes to the gift of God that God has for us, the gift of resting and all that there. And so, um, Pete, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh, 14 questions. We might have a... Um, a bonus round or something like that, uh, you know, just, just rapid fire around here. Um, but let's get right into it here. So first question is this, what is the difference between a day off and a Sabbath? Day off and a Sabbath. Well, Eugene Peterson has said, and I think rightly so, that a day off is a bastard Sabbath. And what he means by that, it takes some of the qualities of Sabbath, but it's not a Sabbath. So you take a day off, it's just for you, you know, you, you rest, you have a good time. And then you go back to work. But God's not even a part of that. It's just a day off. A Sabbath is very different. A Sabbath is to the Lord our God. Every time you see the command of Sabbath, it'll always say 
observe the Sabbath to the Lord our God. It, so it's God-filled. And so it's very much with a consciousness that my life is about God. It's all a gift. And God's built me for a rhythm of six days of work and one day of Sabbathing to him. And so this day is filled with those four qualities Rich just mentioned. I stop, rest, I delight in the gifts that God offers in life, whether it's nature, music, museums, whatever it might be, people. I receive that delight, and I'm very aware, I'm contemplating, I'm seeing the invisible God in the visible world. So the key thing about a Sabbath is you're doing it as, you're doing it because of God, and you're recognizing he fills this day versus a secular day off. It's just, it's a day off. God's not even a part of it. It's just for you to do whatever you feel like doing. Not that it's a bad thing, but it's not a Sabbath. Do I have to keep Sabbath on a particular day? So again, just two scriptures which are very important. Okay, again, as Rich said last week, you want to listen to that tape, is uh, we don't do Sabbath because we have to do it. It's a gift. Jesus said it. Uh, you were not made for Sabbath. Sabbath was made for you, Mark 2, 27. And let no one judge you by a new moon or a Sabbath day. The reality is found in Christ. Life is all about Christ. But he gives us these spiritual formation practices like prayer and Bible study and worship to help us anchor our lives so that our lives are all about Jesus. So in Romans 14, Paul dealt with this issue in the church at Rome. Is there a certain day that Sabbath must be? And uh, he says, no. In Romans 14, he says, because of Christ, all days are alike. Choose whatever you want and let no one again judge you by a Sabbath day. So the key is to pick a day and then to, if possible, you want to stick to it every week. Now, for most of you in this room, the, and we're going to try it as a community, the ideal day is either all day Sunday or Saturday night, 6 o'clock, to Sunday night, 6 o'clock. Because you're going to get church and worship built right into it naturally. And uh, if that's impossible, then do Friday night, 6 to 6. But we want to, as a community, at least, we realize there's a need for support. And so we want to try that now, like we did in 2010, as a community, let's attempt to have Sabbath on the same day if possible. Again, but choose any day. It's not the particular day that's most important. Third is, how do I practice Sabbath as a single person? Uh, we, we got a lot of comments back from singles in our midst that it was, a, it was difficult because it almost reinforced loneliness for some. And so, again, you have to figure out your temperament, your personality, your season of life, and you've got to then structure that Sabbath around stop, rest, delight, contemplate. And so for some singles, it's been very important to gather with other people for Sabbath. In other words, whether it's with other singles to start the Sabbath on a, on a Saturday or with some other families, friends, but you, again, you may be single and you say, I want, I want time alone. That's great, then do lots of time alone. But for others, you may know, I need to be with people. So, you gotta, again, you've got to prepare for Sabbath. You've got to think about what I want to do that day. You just don't fall into it and then rush to figure something out. So, uh, again, as a single person, you want to probably connect with some other people at some point for sure on that Sabbath. How about this one? Uh, I'm married with small children. How can I keep Sabbath at his rest when the work of parenting never seems to stop? That was, that was my question. <laughs> what you got for me? I've had spouses come and say, what do I do if my spouse? And I said, well, just get rid of them. Just, <laughs> no, you cannot get rid of your children or your spouse, all right? <laughs> but you may have, but you and your spouse may not have that day together. You may want to do different things and split up. And that, again, you've got to sort that out um, if you're married. So again, if you have children, uh, 
you change that diaper on Sabbath, all right? You don't say, I'm not changing that diaper, all right? <laughs> now, again, so much depends on the kind of children God has given you. If he's given you children, you may have a special needs child. Uh, they may have certain te temperaments or whatever. So you, you, you can't, again, you, you want to be careful. We're not perfectionistic about things. So you have to adjust as a family or as a single parent how do I do Sabbath in light of my children? So my daughter, for example, one of my daughters was a really good athlete, but we did not let her do travel soccer. Because why? You're traveling to Maryland. You're going to Delaware. You're going upstate. I mean, your, your life is travel soccer. And we just said, forget it. You know, you could be in one local league, you know, on Sabbath, and that's it. Um, and so Jerry and I, when our children were young, we started Sabbathing. Uh, there was times it was so challenging. We'd say, okay, listen. I've got, you've got four hours right now. Go do whatever you want, which basically be alone, you know, and I'll then take the next, I'll take these four hours. I'm coming back and you got the kids. And we would actually switch on and off. And again, you want to make it fun for the, your children. You want them to think of this as a delight. So you got to think about babysitting, spend money, go out to eat, figure out, get with other friends, some ways that it's least stressful for you. But you want to make sure your children know that this is a fantastic, joyful day. I have a friend in, in uh, Christine, when she was in Israel, she watched all these kids come out of school on a Friday morning dancing, you know, and singing. And she said, what are they singing about? And they were singing a song in Hebrew, it's Sabbath, it's Sabbath, it's Sabbath. And she said it was like kids going into Disney World in Florida. Because for them, they associated Sabbath with joy, fun, delight. And it's almost like a Thanksgiving, she said it's almost like a Thanksgiving meal celebration with all kinds of people at the table every week. It's that kind of a celebration that's looked forward to and prepared for on a weekly basis. And I think that's a, that's a great model. That's why this takes a, we're talking about a whole shift of your life yeah. where Sabbath is actually the center and anchor of your life because God's the anchor of your life. And work is not. Work's important. We were made to work, but it's not my whole life. My life's really about God. And Sabbath is in the center of that. For us having two small children, Rosie and I, uh, Nathan, our 11-month-old, and Karis, our 6-year-old, Karis really has no sense of time as a six-year-old. And so uh, Friday night, we light the candle. As I'm lighting the candle, she goes, oh, it's Sabbath? And I go, yeah, it's Sabbath. And the first thing out of her mouth is, no homework. No <laughs> homework. And I said, yeah, that's right. And then she said, and the playground tomorrow, she starts giving me her, what her Sabbath is going to look like and everything like that. But from early on, she, how is she seeing Sabbath? Joy, delight fun, and if children get that, especially at an early age, that this is not about a legalism, about what you can't do. This is about what can you do? What, what's, what, what is God inviting us to do? It makes all the difference in the world. Um, fifth, what if family members in my home don't want to keep Sabbath? And how do I get my kids to enjoy Sabbath, what we just talked about? But what if, what if folks say, I don't want to do it? What do you, how do you respond? You say, fine. Now, if they're four, that's a different story, you know. They're a child. But, no, I mean, you, you don't ever want to inflict Sabbath on anybody. It, it, it defeats the whole purpose of the, the spirit of it. And so for us, for example, our older children were teenagers when we first started. Um, we did not force them into Sabbath. There's no way. I mean, you try it. Try it, all right. Forget it, all right. Um, but our youngest, you know, she was really at an age where it, it, it was great. So if you have small children, you have a tremendous opportunity to build it into their DNA. They'll always associate that Sabbath with joy. And once it's in them, it's in them for life. It's a fantastic thing. 
So again, you want to always give freedom and respect people's differences. Even your spouse, if they don't want to do it, you respect that, and you build around it. Six is, when I practice Sabbath, I still feel a lot of anxiety as I think about all the work I need to do. How do I deal with this? Again, let me, let me normalize anxiety. Okay, it's just it's part of it. Because you understand that our culture uh, is built on you are what you do, your, your productivity. And then our families of origin reinforce that, that it's so deep in us that when you start to do Sabbath, your body starts going through changes. It's not used to a rhythm that God's really built us with, which is work and I Sabbath. I work and I Sabbath. That's a rhythm of life. So you're going to feel a lot of anxiety initially. And it takes a while to figure out how this works. I mean, it took the Israelites, they didn't just get it one shot. They were 400 years working seven days a week. So to begin to actually have a Sabbath, if you look at the Old Testament, you notice it's coming repeatedly coming across. God's teaching them again because they struggled with it. So I want to just normalize it. You're not alone. And I have these moments where I, like, oh, my gosh, I got stuff to do, you know. And uh, I just got to let it go. I mean, I, I, didn't, I was doing my bills before Sabbath uh, the other day, uh, this Friday. And something happened. I, I didn't finish uh, paying my bills. And I really wanted to get it done. And so I just waited till my Sabbath was over. And I picked it up on Saturday night and finished it. But um, I really wanted to get it done. And it was a bit of a temptation. Let me just go finish it. But I was setting up some bank account stuff. And I realized this is going to take way too long. And I just, I just dropped it. So, it, uh, so you just got to remember you're not alone in that. Yeah. Seven, I try to prepare for Sabbath, doing the dishes, laundry, etc. What if I don't get it all done before Sabbath begins? Well, you never get it all done. That's the thing. And again, I'm not, you got to be really careful. Do the dishes on the Sabbath. I mean, I don't know, plates are up there here. You had nine people for dinner. And it's not that, like doing laundry is bad on Sabbath, cooking a meal is bad on Sabbath. No, the question is just you're monitoring it. You're, you're, you're not doing all of your errands on Sabbath. It's not your catch-up day anymore. You may do one or two things, but it's not the day you're getting it all done. So maybe you're gonna, you got to think about and prepare your life to have a Sabbath. If you're working an 80-hour week, I know some people who do this, they work 80 hours a week, then they try to have a Sabbath. Very difficult. Because you're so exhausted that that's not possible. So part of what's happening with Sabbath is it's meant to, we'll talk about this later, inform your whole life. But you do have to think about it during the week to have a Sabbath. You've got to do that prep work. So, um, again, don't get legalistic. I was with my uncle. Uh, I was at his bakery shop. And it was our Sabbath. I was with my, my brothers. And... Uh, it's a very neurotic bakery shop. And so they had all these orders they, they needed filled. And so I, would, I said, Uncle, I will take these two orders and I will div- deliver the cannoli shells and fuyadel and fuyadels and pastries. And I did it. My, uncle, my brothers and I, we had such, such a good laugh, you know, doing it. But it was fine because it's not my work. Do you understand? I'm not, a, I'm not a baker. My work is pastoring and writing and speaking. That's my work. So for me, it was, just, it was fun, actually. The pastor baker, you know, type of thing. I mean, cannolis, forget about it. Um, eight, can I watch TV or be on Facebook and Twitter on the Sabbath? <laughs> Got a lot of that last week. So, again, it's not do's and don'ts. Let's remember that's what the Pharisees did in the New Testament. They took the, they took the Sabbath and they lost its original intention and it became a legalism, right? So, you want to always be aware of that. The reality is found in Christ. We're always about Jesus. And so, can you watch TV? Yes. Now, if you're watching, you know, 21 episodes of Walking Dead or something, you know, in a row, <laughs> probably something's wrong, you know. If, 
if you're on Facebook for hours, you know. So again, Rich and I, like our work, part of our work is social media. You know, we're mentoring, we're sending people books on Twitter uh, and Facebook. So, that, that's, so for us, we stop on our Sabbath. And, uh, you know, so we try to keep away from it. But, uh, so again, your, your way you're monitoring this is, is, is this bringing me delight and joy? And again, if you're overdoing it, uh, you know something's wrong. What I also say is, if Monday through Saturday, this is how you are with social media all day, the Sabbath uh, might look different. It should look different, really. And talk about this thing of container, because um, it should look different. If this is us all day, the Sabbath, I would really encourage you uh, to do your best to really monitor, limit, eliminate uh, social media to the best of your ability, especially if it's always before your face. Todd Detheridge is a, uh, has this ministry where he brings groups of people, small groups, to the Mideast. And he brings groups to spend time in the West Bank with Palestinian Christians. And then he spends time with rabbis and their homes on, on Sabbath. And he kind of gives them both sides of perspectives. And he shared with me how that experience has transformed his understanding of Sabbath. Because he would spend time in Jerusalem and observe their Sabbath. And they have all these rules around Sabbath. You can't drive a car. You can't put on the light. All this, it looks like from us on the outside, looks like pure legalism and bondage. But he says, when you're on the inside of it, you get it. And he goes, it's this. They, he goes, if you're doing it with the right spirit, for them it is not legalism. It is pure joy. Because they, they set up a container to protect the beauty and wonder of Sabbath. And so it's a container that's different than the other six days. Because one of the keys to Sabbath is your Sabbath needs to be different than your other six days of the week. So whatever that means for you is what you, the container you've got to create. And so uh, that's why it takes such thoughtfulness. And so for the first time, I said, wow, don't be so quick to judge. Again, a person's Sabbath. I know people that turn off all electronics on Sabbath with their families and televisions and all that. Again, you've just got to figure out what do you need. Give yourself a lot of time for trial and error and, and, and figure out what works for you. But you've got to figure out a container. And a great principle is it needs to be different than the other six days for you. Great. There's this question here. What if I love what I do? Certain people, just they love their job. And they don't feel, I don't, th I don't feel like I need to rest. What if I love what I do? I don't consider my work to be work. Listen, we always encourage you. It's, it's wonderful if you can find a job you love. But that's always the ideal. And I hope some of you actually have that. I know I do. I, I love what I do. And I would do it for free. I mean, I'm not doing it for money. I love it. So why stop it on Sabbath? Well, because it's, it is my work. And, uh, and so, that's the, so that's really irrelevant. So whatever you do for work is what you want to stop, okay, on, on Sabbath. And again, um, it's a point of, it's your vocation. So the next question, which is related, I think it's the next question, Rich, is about volunteering. Not, um, not yet, Derek. Okay, not yet. Uh, but the, again, the key is you want to do something distinct as a container from your actual work that you get paid for. One person said, how can I, can I ease myself, uh, ease my way into Sabbath starting off with 12 hours or so? Yes. I mean, I, of course you can. And in fact, we encourage that. I mean, I know one guy I worked with, I just wanted to get him, he worked so much. It was actually a bishop from Malaysia. And I spent a half hour with him trying to figure out how he could spend three hours delighting in something other than his work. That's how much he, he'd been 30 years working basically seven days a week. I break my day into thirds, morning, afternoon, and evening. He worked morning, afternoon, and evening every day for 30 years. So when he first heard this, he was like, this is totally impossible. 
And so we worked for a half hour on three hours of what could you do that would be enjoyable? I said, how about TV? I don't watch TV. I mean, it was that kind of conversation. But he actually got going, and once he, he got it. It changed his whole life, actually, once he, once he built in a theology of delight and joy in life that it wasn't just work. So, yes, 12 hours is a great place to start, but you want to build up to 24 because Sabbath really does mean a 24-hour period where you stop, rest, delight, and see God. One person asked, does Sabbath keeping mean I can't volunteer on Sunday? Oh, you can. You can. <laughs> you can. Now, again... There is volunteering and volunteering. Now, uh, you know, we're a family. We're a church family in a community. And so we serve, and, 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 we, and we, we serve each other, and we serve people coming in. But hopefully this is not your, your work, uh, your paid work. Now, if you're coming in at 8 o'clock in the morning for children's church, and you're doing first service, second service, and third service children's church, you're getting home at 3.30 in the afternoon, you got here at 8 o'clock in the morning, you're probably over-serving. But no, we're a family. We, serve, we, we change the toilet paper. We love our kids, you know. We, we show hospitality to folks coming in the door. Listen, I'll pray with someone. I say, I'm not going to pray with you. It's my Sabbath. I'm not going to share Jesus with you. That's my work. Talk to me later. You're falling apart. Sorry, you know. <laughs> That's what the Pharisees did, remember? That's why they wanted to kill Jesus for healing on the Sabbath. So again, you want to be very careful. This is a powerful spiritual formation practice. And it's easy to fall off the cliff into legalism like the Pharisees did. The other cliff is I ignore it completely. And we at New Life want to hit that center where it's a spiritual formation practice like prayer and Bible study, and we keep plugging away until we figure it out in New York City in 2015, how do I work this out in my context in light of my personality and calling and temperament. So, yes, volunteer. Three more here. Uh, how can I keep Sabbath if I'm uh, in an emergency career, medical professional, police officer, yeah, I mean, a few of you are in uh, professions where you are called out. You're a police officer, you're a doctor, uh, and we appreciate that, right? You're serving the larger whole uh, of our society and our city and our community. So, so thank you. So you have to make adjustments. Again, you have to adjust to your life situation. How do I do that? I remember caring for my parents. Each of them had like a three-year run before they, they died and went to be with the Lord where we were caring for them as siblings. So that really impacted our Sabbath. And so, but we made adjustments, you follow me, uh, on how I even did that around Sabbath with my parents when they were ill. And so, again, you, you'll have to probably take different days and, and figure it out, but the principle still remains. Two more. How does Sabbath apply to unemployed or retired folks? All right, so if you're unemployed, don't look for a job on Sabbath, all right? No, it's really very important. Uh, if, you're, if you're not doing paid work right now, we trust that you will work until you die in the sense of you'll be making a contribution to the world whether you are paid for it or not paid. Okay, that's not the issue in Scripture. It's that you are, you're, God's got you alive because he has some work for you to do. And so you're doing stuff as a, someone who's 91 years old in our church. You know, There's work she's doing as a retired person. But Sabbath, again, is a separate container. And so you want that day to be different than the other six days, and you want to create a sense of Sabbath for yourself either as unemployed or retired. And finally here, and you're going to get that Emotionally Healthy Spirituality book here, uh, how is Sabbath supposed to impact the other six days of the week? Actually, Sabbath is supposed to impact all of life. And in fact, before I answer the question, let me encourage you. As you I trust most of you will have a vacation this summer, a week, two weeks, maybe three weeks or four weeks. Sometimes you have a longer holiday, you know, more days than one. You've got three or four. 
And I want to encourage you to structure your vacation or longer weekends around the concept of Sabbath. So in other words, you think about how can I stop, rest, delight, and contemplate in this two-week period. So you come back from vacation refreshed, but you see it as almost a sabbatical. Like the Hebrews in the Old Testament, they had their festivals that were longer sabbaticals. They had sabbatical years. And you want to approach all of that time off, turning it into Sabbath to the Lord your God as gifts he's given you to receive. So because the goal of Sabbath is that the qualities of rest and delight fill your other six days. Now, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll be honest with you. You meet me on a Wednesday here at the church. I'm in meetings. You know, I can be as frantic and crazy as the next. But the goal of Sabbath ideally is that it actually, that spirit of rest uh, and delight actually informs our work. We're actually different in the workplace or as we're, as we're doing our unpaid work because the Sabbath is informing those days. Remember, Sabbath is a taste of heaven. Every time you're Sabbathing, it's like you died. You stop, you rest, you're, you're delighted. It's like you died, you're seeing Jesus face to face, and the world's going on just fine without you. And so the goal is that that taste of eternity is actually informing your other days as well. And the goal is when Sabbath ends that we, we ease our way back into work. It's, when I first started keeping Sabbath, it was like, okay, 6 p.m. Is, is coming again. It was almost like I did a countdown in my mind. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, back to work I go. And it's just like... It didn't infuse the rest of my life there. So we're easing our way back in where the principles of stop, rest, delight, contemplate are infusing uh, the rest of our day. And so think, if you do Saturday night, try, try this, experiment, Saturday night, 6 o'clock next week. That means that you've got Saturday afternoon and day, whatever you got to do, but you're kind of easing into Sabbath, preparing for it. 6 o'clock, you say, I'm going to have a definite starting date. Maybe you light a candle, something to mark it. And then at 6 o'clock su Saturday night, okay, or, I'm, I'm sorry, Sunday night, tonight, 6 o'clock, it's over. But you're not going to work till tomorrow. Now, some of you have jobs where you've got to prepare for the next day. So you might kind of ease into it by 7, 8 o'clock, get your calendar out. What am I going to do for work? Or you may not have to, but you're kind of easing it out of Sabbath as you're getting ready to go to work the next day. But you've got a sense of it's kind of got some broom to breathe around it. So we want to invite you to try that first. And then we'll, we should take questions on Twitter, both of us, along the way. Because questions are going to come up as you get into it from the inside. And you want to, that's why we want to serve each other as a community by helping each other with questions. Yeah, and one of the best things we can do for each other as a church is to share stories. So I want to encourage you, as the weeks go by, if you have a story, an experience, something that you're growing deeper in God, to, t to tell us. Because we'd love to share that story and how, what you're learning and how God is deepening you for the rest of our church family here. So give, give it up for Pete as he... Uh... Thanks, Pete. I want to invite the worship team forward here as we just sing a song in response. The two words that come to mind when I think about closing here, this, this message of Sabbath, and we'll come back to it, you know, from time to time. But the two words are, are really resistance and revelation. The Sabbath is an invitation for us to resist the principalities and powers that seek to diminish and distort our lives through overwork. And so when we, when we keep Sabbath, we're resisting the powers that say your life is identified by what you do, by your performance, by your work. And you're saying, no, I resist that. My life is not what I do. My life is, is, is who I am in God, who I am in Christ. I am loved by Christ, therefore I am. Not I do, therefore I am. Not I think before I am. I am loved by God, therefore I am. So it's about resistance. And second, it's about revelation. God has so, some of you are asking, how do I grow in my relationship with God? 
Well, it, it begins by God, God revealing himself to you. One of the ways that God reveals himself to us is by Sabbath, by stopping. When we stop, he reveals himself to us. So, so many of us, we're, we're so frantic, we haven't even stopped. No wonder God can't speak to us. When we stop, revelation comes. When we rest, there is a revelation that comes in rest that can't come anywhere else. There's revelation from God that comes in when we're delighting. There's revelation that comes when we are contemplating. And so there's so much revelation that God wants to reveal to you about himself, about who he is, about his plan for your life. And you can't get it any other way by just practicing it and experimenting. So what an opportunity we have for us to grow as individuals, grow as a church family into this beautiful rhythm of working and resting. And so let's all stand together. Let's, let's sing in response. God has been good to us. Let's respond in song. Father, thank you for the gifts of creation, the gifts of music, the gifts of song. We sing to you now our words of worship and gratitude. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together. I want to invite the, worship, uh, the prayer team to come to my right as we... Um, as we close here, we have the Lord's table to my left. I want to tie this all in with the message of Jesus and what he's done for us on the cross and the resurrection. The Sabbath day, this is Jesus Christ, his work on the cross, his work on the cross and his resurrection has positioned us to enter into his rest. He's worked so that we can enter into rest. So whatever work needs to be done has already been accomplished and perfected in Jesus. We respond, and here's a response. Our work is to strive to enter into that rest. His work gave us rest. Our work is to enter into the rest. And the book of Hebrews talks about that we, that we, we earnestly work to enter into that rest. That is already for us. And so many of us have an inner work to do. Why don't we stop? The fears, the anxieties, the worries. Sabbath is an invitation as well to introspection. What is, why do I work like this? Why do I have a hard time saying no? Look at all the things that God wants to free you from. Free you from your identity in your job, your identity in your position, your identity in your performance, that our true identity is found in the love of God. And so what an invitation we have to enter into his rest. We have our prayer team here. Listen, in order to do this, to live this kind of life, for many of us, to do this kind of life is like getting off of drugs. And I've met with many people, family members, friends, that have had drug addictions. And they get out of it, and then they fall right back in. That's how it is when it comes to work as well. Work has become a drug for many of us. A workaholism. Something that I can't see myself not doing it. And to stop, no wonder our demons come up when we stop working. Because I can't envision my life without this. And work for many of us has become a drug, has become an idol. And God wants to set us free from every idol, from every bondage, from every addiction. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to break chains in us. This is why we have our prayer team here. For some of us, God wants to break chains off of you. Off of you of your identity, of, of the crazy pace, what your parents taught you, what your grandparents taught what your culture teaches you. Your identity is not in your work. Your identity is in the love of God. And we need the power of God to do it. And so if you're in that place today saying, Rich, I just, to do this is like getting off of drugs. I need prayer. I need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I want to invite you to come up for prayer. That our prayer team will anoint you with oil as a sign of God's presence and power over your life. That God will set you free. That you would encounter the risen Jesus. 
today. And we have communion here, the body of Christ broken, the blood of Christ shed for you so that you will live the kind of life that he has for you. And so as we close, I want to invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. If you're new here, we close every gathering like this. We cannot give what we have not received. And so we walk out of here posturing our hearts, posturing our minds, our souls to say, Lord, um, I want to receive first out of which I give. And so with your hands and your hearts and a posture of receiving brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he shine his face upon you. May he fill you with deep abiding peace and rest. May you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit, having the right relationship with work and the right relationship with rest. May you say no when you need to say no. May you say yes when you need to say yes. But in all things, may you encounter the love of the risen Jesus this week. And may that love overflow to those around you. I bless you all in the strong, in the beautiful, in the resurrected name of Jesus. And the people of God said...